What's up, hybrids? Welcome back to another episode of the Phantom Hybrid Podcast. This is Hanako, and I'm here with Anthony, Lori, and Mike. And we are discussing A Discovery of Witches, Season 2, Episode 7. Finally, we are in Bohemia, Bohemia. It took us a long time to get there, didn't it? Look, these people took forever. It's like a terrible video game with a whole bunch of side quests. (laughs) But at least we didn't get a whole bunch of traveling in this episode, Anthony. Like, we saw them riding in the horses at the beginning, and then you see the castle in the distance. And And then the next thing we know, they're at the castle. I said, oh, Anthony is going to be so, so happy. I was. I was. I really was. I I don't want to see them going through the mountainside. I really don't. It was a pretty view, though. It was a pretty view. But yeah, I'm kind of glad we we got things moving along because yeah, we had a lot to pack into this episode. Oh my God. This yeah. episode like has so much going on. I don't know where I want to start. Um, I mean, we could start at the beginning and we could talk about this very disrespectful King Rudolph person. He's just, oh. Is he not one of the most annoying characters we have come across in this series? This impudent fuck. That's exactly what I wrote down. <laughs> impudent fuck. Like, I think you're accurate. I, I, I agree with that. But see, that's not the thing that made the episode. What made the episode is that a certain person showed up. And I'm yes. excited. We're going to get to him. Okay. We're going to get to All him because right. I know you. Let me tell you. So... I didn't know who the character was. I, again, I have not read the books yet and I've tried to avoid any book spoilers because I kind of want to let the show unfold since this is how I started. This is how I got into the story. But um, I made a post a couple of days ago because they started, once they finished filming season three or series three, as they call it over there, Mm -hmm. they started giving us some casting announcements and I got so excited because we have like five characters of color that are coming into the series and I was so excited because a lot of times with shows like this especially when you know the main characters are white you don't get a lot of representation in those kinds of shows and one of the things that I do like about a discovery of witches is we do tend to see a little more diversity within their cast so this casting news just really excited me because I was like oh okay cool but then I started wondering like okay so who are these characters playing and I got a little nosy and I went to the discovery of witches website and the character pages And I saw a couple of like quick spoilers. I didn't even get to the B's. I just went through a couple of, I got to A and B. And then I was like, oh, wait, this is way more information than I wanted to know. So I got off of it. And then lo and behold, one of the characters shows up in this episode. (laughs) And I was like, oh, this is throwing a lot of stuff just out of whack for me now because some of our theories, I think, are being are, are going to be called into question with this episode. But um, yeah, so I'm going to stop talking in circles so that we can get to the episode and we can talk about this person. But um, again, let's let's start with with King Rudolph because Matthew and Diana they come in and they meet this guy, and of course he's 
royalty. He's kind of arrogant. Um, and it's obvious that he knows who Matthew is and he's intrigued by Diana. We already know this is about to be a problem because from the moment Diana walks in, he is he is talking to her and behaving around her like I guess like men of the 16th century do and as men throughout history have done, like she's a prize, like she's something to be won. And his behavior just gets worse and worse through the episode. I'm really, really shocked that Matthew did not kill him. And again, I have to talk about Matthew's restraints and control because that dude would have been dead. Do you hear me? Dead, D-E-D, dead. So disrespectful. Yeah, oh my god. Oh my god. He, yeah, he was really disrespectful. But Matthew's the green-eyed monster had control of Matthew this whole episode. Like Matthew could Matthew couldn't I mean, there were there you saw the moments where he literally almost lost control and it was gonna rip Rudolph limb from fucking limb. And but it's like you would see. Matt, I mean, Matt, this is the first time where we actually see a difference in Matthew between before before they consummated and after they consummated because he's really more, he's way more protective of her now. Like mm-hmm. before he was all like, okay, be careful, be careful. But now he's like, no, you're not going. Like I'm, a, and he starts snarling and growling. It's like, I'm gonna rip, I'm gonna kill him. And it's like, he's he's way more intense about protecting her now than he was before, which goes back to Philippe, what Philippe said about him not really committing to her before, since he didn't consummate, he wasn't really committed to her, but now that he's consummated and he's all in, it's like, it's really showing how intensely protective he is of her, like he's, like she's literally his now. Like literally, like there's no, like there's nobody else. Like if someone else approaches, they're probably going to get their throats ripped out. Like he's, like she is his now. He's like he went from just be safe, be safe to anyone who even thinks about mm-hmm. harming you, I'm going to kill them. Like right, <laughs> and and the thing, and the thing of it is. It was actually one of the reasons why he says he didn't want to fully mate with her, like as far as consummate the relationship, because he said, this is what it is to be truly mated. Like it's almost an animalistic behavior. And of course he's a vampire, he's a creature. Creatures are territorial. Animals are territorial. And I think him knowing Diana and Diana being who Diana is, you know, Diana doesn't like being told what to do. She doesn't like being controlled. And I think Matthew was actually trying to respect that about who she is in not mating with her because he knew that that was going to change. Apparently that's kind of the nature of the whole mating thing with their species. So I respect him for that, but at the same time, it's kind of like now that they've done this, okay, y'all, y'all really thought you couldn't mess with Diana before? Y'all can't fuck with her now. Like, again, kudos to him for mad restraint, but 
except, ex- except that one time when he had no restraint and she had to stop him. Oh, we, we will get to that okay. because that was a powerful scene. Yeah, not, for real. Not just in intensity, but for what that meant for their relationship, just to kind of show the equilibrium in their relationship. Like, it's not about you. It's not about me. You're not more powerful. I'm not more powerful. We balance each other out. It's, I mean, they really are equals. And for her to be able to, I won't even say control him, but to get him to focus enough that he could calm down and he could kind of come off that ledge, that speaks to how powerful that bond is, not just for him in regards to her and wanting to wanting to protect her, control her in that sense, but also she has that same power over him. And it's a it's it's truly a balance within that relationship. And I I I love the way that they showed that it was very powerful. Like Matthew is this creature and he has all of this power. And he had all of this rage. And you can see it again, Matthew. I don't know what he does with his face. I don't know if that's makeup or if that's actually him. But the way that his face changes when he's in that blood rage state, it's amazing to watch that transformation. That's just scary. It, It is, but it's so great too because you really see the two extremes of Matthew as a character because again, one of the things that I've talked about since season one is his sense of control over who he is, over his behavior. And then now that Philippe has awakened that blood rage side of him, to see him go from one extreme to the other, it's like, whoa. It's like so amazing to watch. Well, this this actor, if you go back to when he was on Downton Abbey, he kind of had that same type of performance where he's really intense. I mean, there was a couple of scenes with the whole car racing thing. And just uh, he's such a good actor. You could just, you know, they say some actors just have to use their eyes. He uses his whole face. So, yeah, he's just very expressive. Very. Yeah, very. Very much so. Since we're on the subject of, of King Rudolph, the Holy Roman Emperor, he's um one of the things that that I found very interesting was Mike and I talked about this in the pre-show about how petty and disrespectful Matthew was towards him. And I think he should have channeled all that energy into being petty. Yeah. <laughs> because that was hilarious. You know what? <laughs> I can deal with a petty Matthew because he's so slick with it. Like he's not, he's not very, he's not out in your face with it. He's just going to be very, very subtle, but you're going to know it was him. And honestly, ain't shit you can do about it. Yeah, you're the king. You're the Holy Roman Emperor, whatever, whatever. Matthew's a freaking vampire. <laughs> he, he invited Diana to the, the falcon hunt and Matthew's there. He's like, I don't remember inviting you. He's like, oh, you didn't? My oh. bad. <laughs> but, I really, but I really like falconing. I just think I'm dumb. And then, and then, you know, he gives Matthew this little bitty, you know, he gives him this little bitty bird and he's trying to, you know, 
make snide remarks about the bird. And Matthew's like, I, I forgot what the bird's name was. Mike, did you take notes? Did you write the bird's name down? Was it Satine or something? Like, I don't I don't remember. But something like that. It was, a, it was a warrior's name. Mm -hmm. it, was, it was something because, because his bird was Artemis. And the, it was like, it wasn't Seku. It was something like that. But she was, it was, it was a strong war. It was some, some kind of warrior that he named, he named the bird after. And Matthew knew the whole, he knew the whole background of it. And Rudolph was just looking like, oh, right. That's why he's so smaller. I'm going to win. <laughs> but then he keeps picking at him. He's like, oh, I noticed you haven't released your bird to hunt yet. Blah, blah, blah. And Matthew's just sitting there. And all the while, He's still sitting there taunting Matthew. He's asking Diana, you know, to be married to such a thing as him. Don't you long for something warm? And I was like, he was really bold. I mean, Rudolph was really bold to have for him for him to be not not within not sit in a for him not to be in a safe enough distance away from a from someone who could kill him. Say those things. Thought he was bold as shit. But if like, you think about it, if you look at period pieces like this, all of the men were that bold back then. They were, they were kings and emperors. What else yes. were they supposed to do? Think but, about yeah. the Tudors. He, oh, Henry God, VIII, don't. Oh, jeez. <laughs> Henry VIII, Ooh, I mean, yeah. Charles Brandon, they were all, mm. like, oh, my God. But so he says this and Matthew's just sitting there. You can tell, like, I was like, I was ready for him to start growling. I was like, if he starts growling, it's over. It's over and done with. They're going to have to flee because. Right. Yeah. What, whatever. But he, he releases, you know, Rudolph releases his bird to go hunt. And then Matthew kind of looks and he, goes ahead tells his handler to release his bird and he does this thing with his head and I realize he's either controlling the bird or he's communicating I think he's controlling I don't know if it, he was controlling the bird if he was contro controlling the air I don't know what he was doing he was influencing the falcon somehow like he, he had some some sort of control over him where he had to instead of going after the pheasant he had to he had him go after the other falcon when he, I when he, when he Falcon and all you saw were all you saw were like the little feathers floating after they had fallen down. That was but, hilarious. But we saw like, that broke my bird. last week. We saw that last week with Philippe. They, the vampires, I'm telling you, they've got some type of magic. Yeah, we saw it with Philippe with the doe. We saw it this week with Matthew with the bird. They can do some stuff. They just don't tell anybody. Mm -hmm. But you know, Matthew said that in season one. When he and Diana were having dinner, yeah, he said there's a lot about us that no one knows, and then a lot of the stuff that people think they know is misinformation. True. So True. it's possible, but whatever he did, that bird, that little bitty bird, when it took Artemis out, and Rudolph was like, "You broke my bird." <laughs> you broke my bird. <laughs> broke my bird. Nah, you shredded your bird. And then he got mad. He kicked them out. And Diana's looking at Matthew like, oh, God, what did you do? And Matthew's just like, he's walking off just kind of smug. Like, oh, I didn't mean for that to I mean, that's literally the expression. Like, oh, I didn't mean for that to happen. Mm -hmm. And they were. <sighs> you, you, you got a Joffrey and Tyrion type moment there. Yes. 
great. It was so amazing. Oh my God, that dude is so, oh, he's so, oh my God. Like I thought I couldn't stand Peter Knox. <laughs> this dude here, Peter Knox, at least we know he's an asshole because he wants power. He wants, you know, this dude, he's just an asshole to be an asshole. Like, oh, oh my God. I, I think it's cool that that the writer was able to, once again, incorporate another historical figure into her story. You know, mm-hmm. King Rudolph was an actual, you know, king of Bohemia, Holy Roman Emperor, all that stuff. And he was into the occult arts. And he did have a, a, a very, one of the legendary art collections of his time. So it, it was cool that she was able to, to work that in there. Wait, did you say art or part? Art. <laughs> art. You, you did have, you no, did have I, I think you meant art. Art collection. <laughs> art, art, art collection. Mm. And then he, of course, his private collection. Did, yeah. did anyone look up the painting? Because I'm, I'm sitting there watching it going, Okay, I don't remember that from you know from from schools. So, and I I was I meant to look it up because I'm like I, I haven't had a chance to. I, I I try to remember because this this is I mean okay we're talking the Holy Roman Empire. You have to understand they were basically frustrated for many many years because they felt that they never got their their due or their rep because they were between they were between the English. Empire, the British Empire, and the Spanish, and then you had the Ottoman Empire on the other side with the Turks. So they were kind of in the middle, and then you had Russia over here. So they basically, excuse me, we just got shit on a lot. And the fact that Catherine didn't really help them all that much sometimes. Uh, but the thing is, is that they really weren't considered to be uh, the the elite of the Blue Bloods. I mean, when you came down to the Habsburgs, you came down. To the beginning of World War One, uh, and so all those things that kicked off with the Duke and everything, that's when they really became important. But for a lot of that time, they got a lot of crap because they weren't considered top tier. They had a lot of mystics. They had a lot of the uh, the Roma or what they used to formerly call the Gypsy population. Uh, they they had a lot of people who were, you know, not considered the best people. So I can see them wanting to find mystics and mystic type stuff in order to elevate their status. So when I saw him, I thought, oh my God, this is so cool. <laughs> Sorry. Rob oh no, it's, yeah. it's, we love hearing you geek out about history, Lori. That's awesome, <laughs> for real. It's just rabbit hole. Sorry. That's okay. Okay, so we're gonna step away from King Asshole for a moment. Um, so, who made the prediction that Jack was going to join them in France? <laughs> it was Mike. <laughs> but they're going to so need to cash up you some money. That, that was right. a shocker. That that was and you, the look on Matthew's face was like, "Oh my god, what?" And how you let this eight-year-old? How you let this eight-year-old kid tell y'all we are? Oh wait, never mind. I guess you know. Ted Cruz. Ted Cruz got his kid to talk him to take him to to Cancun. (laughs) We are not going there. We are talking about stuff. We are not talking about. I'm just. I'm just saying we have a real life example of a of a child telling an adult where they're gonna go. Who is eight? But for okay, first of all, I did anticipate 
once listening to you guys that he would try and do something like that. But the fact that he made the adults take him to Bohemia to see his parents is hysterical. Oh my God. He was basically like, I can't sleep. I'm having nightmares. Take me to Matthew. And they're like, okay, let's go. Like, Pretty much. Like, come on, yep. man. But it's like you, you knew as soon as soon as Jack came, as soon as Jack became a character, you knew that he was going to find his way over there because what do we say? He's the young, young, sparky and and like spunky character that's going to find his way into every situation. He's going to find a way to get here. Find a way to get there. He's Squirrel and Fergus. And he's like he's the he's the guy he's the kid that's gonna find his way here and he's gonna be brave and he's going to be all this stuff but he's gonna be in the middle of everything and I knew it was gonna happen as soon as, as soon as he came out I was like yeah I was like it's just like we said that squirrel he's gonna find his way wherever he needs to wherever mm-hmm. he wants to go he's gonna be there right but but my thing is they had they arrived they basically left right after they left. It, they had to have, like, like two days <laughs> like, later. Literally had right. to leave within a week after they left. In, in well, fact, they I mean, might. In fact, I think it. they beat them there. <laughs> yeah, because I was gonna say, if you think about it, though, you have to remember Matthew and Diana had that trek from the shores to set tour. So we don't know how long that took. According to Anthony, it probably took ten years. <laughs> so they probably have been there for a couple of days, but it's like. Yeah, they they had to have left like almost soon after in order to make it there because they looked well rested. Yeah, not only that, he probably visited his grandfather in September before they even got there. I mean, it's like let's just let's go say hi to Grandpa. I mean, they were booking. They literally. (laughs) Man, that was so. But. Okay, so of course we've all had our speculations about Jack and him showing up in France just for me does not bode well, especially with the events that we see at the end of the episode. So we're going to go ahead and get to that part since Lori has been like itching to talk about it. So, oh, but before we do get to that part, let's talk about the fact that People in 1590 have no fucking discretion when it comes to other people's bedroom business because as soon as Diana and Matthew get to France and Gallo Glass gives Diana a hug, he's like, oh, you made it. So I should call you auntie. And I was like, really? Really? Is this what we do in the 1590s? Like, oh, so you guys had sex. Okay, hey. Uh, like, I'm, uh, well, besides the fact that you've got someone who's 10 years older than her calling her auntie, and I'm just cracking up the entire time. Auntie, auntie, I just think it's hysterical. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I don't know. I. Hey, auntie. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I think that this is something that they just, I, I don't know. I. I, I, I couldn't tell you. I mean, I think that back then people had a lot more discretion. I think this is for the show, but at the same time, it, it's sort of funny because everyone's in their business. And, you know, you would think that as society has, you know, evolved and changed over the years that people back then wouldn't get in people's business, but. Right. But then again, know. I guess, I guess if you think about it too, 
it's probably not as big a deal when vampires mate, mm-hmm. but him mating to a human, a warm blood, of course, there is going to be when, I mean, they even tell you that now, when you join yourself with someone intimately, it does change your body chemistry. It mm-hmm. changes your DNA to a certain point. Mm-hmm. So I'm guessing it's just very obvious to them. And of course, sometimes, you know, I mean, think about it. When you go somewhere and you smell something, you smell somebody's, whether it's not their natural scent or their cologne that they're wearing, you're like, oh, that person smells good. Or, you know, our sense of smell is very important to us. It it introduces us to things. It tells us when things are good. It tells us if we're in danger. Like it's, it's one of our six senses. So I'm guessing it's just heightened for them as vampires. So it probably, he probably didn't even mean to like really just say that out loud. He was just kind of, it was just something that he just noticed. And he's like, oh, so you made it. Okay, well, I should call you auntie now. I was just like, Diana is going to slap the next person who says something about it. So ironically, the funny thing is she's in the episode. She's standing in line. She's trying to go give a gift to King Rudolph because he sent a gift to her. And she's basically trying to figure out where this damn book is. So as she's standing there, a gentleman who has already been to see the king walks past her and he stops and he comments to her, you know, that basically he knows that she's a declaremont because he can he can sense the blood vow that Philippe placed on her head. He's like, that's a very powerful blood vow. I was like, wow, you know, between mating with somebody. Right, like, but I think, but if you think about it. It was like a declaremont. Yeah, how much can I say? that's why Philippe did that because he said it has to be undeniable that Diana is a declaremont. And this was before they made it. When he marked How much can I say? Not yet. Not yet. Not yet. Okay, okay. So she asked the guy if he's, you know, familiar with the Declaremonts. And he makes, you know, he makes an offhand comment about how um, the Declaremonts would not be uh, bothered with someone in his lowly position or something to that matter. But he introduces himself and gives his name. Lori, you can go ahead. Get Let's get into it. I apologize. That is Benjamin de Claremont, Matthew's son. Yes. Which, of course, they haven't told us this in the show. Not yet. This was one of the things that I came across when I was looking for the the information for the other actors. Like, his name is Benjamin, so he's right there in the bees. And I was like, Matthew's son? What? Oh, yeah. Let's 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 just say that I finished book one and I kind of perused and I didn't have it finished. And let's just say that Benjamin's very, very, very important. And that's all I'm going to say. Um, I believe you said something about the fact like he's the he's the did you say he's the least liked person or did you say he's the most he's the b- biggest villain or something like that? He is saying? the actual uh, villain of the books okay but I'm, but I'm not gonna say anything other than that because i don't want to spoil anything let's just say that when i saw benjamin i got really really happy 
that that's all I'm going to say. But that, yes, that is Matthew's son. And let's just say that if you paid attention, Benjamin made a very concentrated effort not to be seen by his father. Oh, yes, definitely. Um, uh, and again, they haven't told us that this is his son mm-hmm, mm-hmm. in the show yet. We just have some kind of sense that he is aware of the Declaremonts or that he knows of the Declaremonts. However, at the end of the episode, and I am jumping around, but at the end of the episode, he appears at the end and he attacks someone with blood rage. Yep. And then he shows his face. As soon as I saw that, I was like, (gasps) yep. Because now I don't know if I, I I don't know if I subscribe to the, to the theory now that Jack is our ripper. Oh, you you know, I just talked myself into it. But anyway, that Jack is our murderer in the 21st century. It just got good. I'm wondering if it's either Benjamin or if he turned Jack later on, but it's just kind of like his introduction into the show now opens up so many more possibilities and so many more questions that I'm like, like the minute we talked about it, um, I think we were recording for WandaVision and I mentioned it. Y'all, let me tell y'all, even now, Lori is back. She is like rocking back and forth in her. <laughs> she has been back. We scheduled this show to talk about this episode she has been like a giddy child in a in a toy store on christmas morning well that's because i maybe sort of kind of peaked and kind of sort of looked ahead i'm like oh my god and so i can't wait till season three that's all i'm gonna say (laughs) no but this was totally awesome but see here's here's the problem that i have okay you have the thing with jack and you have the thing with now you have Benjamin and you've got other people around in their universe. And my thing is, is that this is what episode seven, we've got three episodes left. Right. Mm-hmm. And uh, I finished book one. Finally took forever. They did a info dump on those last four chapters that I was up until one o'clock in the morning on a work night because uh, the, uh, the, the, the two demons showed up at the house they had um, Hamish show up. They had the Halloween party. They had everything that was shoved into like the last uh, three, four chapters of the book. It was only about two hours, but they got everything in. So my thing is like, okay, fine. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm taking a breather and I'm going back next week. I'm doing Monster Hunter right now. But the thing is, is that when I get to the second book, if they rush like she rushed in the first book and they've got three episodes left, what I know and what they have time to do, either season three is going to be so jam-packed or they're going to have to make these last three episodes longer than an hour because there are certain things that they have to do in order to get to season three. Okay. And I'm just kidding. Okay. But yeah, so his introduction introduces some questions. First, if Matthew was supposed to eliminate everyone 
that had the potential to have blood rage. Like, did he miss did he miss this one on purpose? Or did this one somehow elude him? And then also, was this was this a siring that was allowed, that was permitted? Because for him to say, to make a statement like the declare, you know, he's so below the declaremont's radar, they wouldn't, they wouldn't have anything to do with the likes of him or whatever the, the phrase was that he said. I'm just kind of like, okay. I feel he said he said he said, I feel I am beneath their interests. Ah. Mm. So I wonder. I wonder, does Matt, okay, Laura, you probably know this, but I don't want you to say anything. Okay. I wonder, does he, does Matthew know that he has a son out there? Like, that this person is his son? Like, was this, could this have been an accidental siren? Okay, he does, he does know that this is his son. Okay. So, obviously, there's some history there, and they're probably not on good terms or whatever the case may be. But then again, we don't know anything. We don't know too much about 1590s Matthew because we haven't really talked about 1590s Matthew aside from what his job is for the queen and what his job was for Philippe. So, I'm sure we're going to find out some more information. But I just thought the introduction of this character was very interesting, especially knowing now at the end that he is indeed afflicted with blood rage. Well, not only that, did you guys catch when, uh, what's his name? Um, oh, crazy one that's in the dungeon. What's his name? Edward Kelly. Edward Kelly. Yes, did you notice that when they first do the introduction, he literally says this all ends with the discovery of witches? Yes. I geeked out. Because whenever you get the title of the show in the show, it's yeah. usually a pivotal moment. And yeah. I was like, oh, it's sensible. Yeah, but that's literally how I think every episode of the first season or most of the first part of the first season started with Matthew saying those exact words. And that's how the yeah. book starts yeah. as well. That's like the that's like the that's the first page after the title page in book one. Right. Right. But what I what I found was interesting is that in this episode we see kind of a little bit more about the Ashmore book and we see something that actually affects in the present time. But we also get this amazing uh, description from Matthew of how the book, what the book actually is made of, and how mm. the book is made. And I'm sitting there going, <gasps> because they literally didn't tell that until the very end of book one they did like a quick two minute synopsis so this book is probably going to be way more important than we thought not just diana learning how to control her powers or whatever her father had but i thought that it, it this wasn't so much an info dump as a info dump slash moving the plot like several steps forward for me i right. mean i love this episode i mean i live for episodes like this so, okay, since you mentioned it, let's talk about let's talk about the book. We'll go back to some of the other stuff, but I really want to talk about this book. So, Diana and Matthew, after Matthew has killed the bird, <laughs> they're invited back later to um, 
to meet with the emperor. He offers his kind of sort of apologies for losing his temper. And he's having like this party in his, um, in the area where he has like his big collection. And Diana asks him about the book or asks him if he has any books that he doesn't show to other people. And, you know, he he's starting to feel like Matthew and Diana are only there because they want something from him. And so he's starting to get a little snippy with them. And he's, you know, he says as much to Diana kind of in a veiled way where he talks about not being able to trust the people around him because they, you know, they're liars and they're, they're thieves. And when she asks him about the book, he says something, he calls her a charlatan. And so Diana, being Diana, she turns, um, there, there was some kind of intricate design on the wine glass he was drinking from, and she turns it into a snake. And she looks at him and, she's, I, and she says, I am no charlatan. I was like, oh, Lord. And Matthew was looking like, what the <laughs> Did you see the look on Matthew's face? Ain't got a glass. They both was like, uh-oh. They were like, oh, my God, what is she doing? Like, <laughs> Matthew was like, what the fuck are you doing? But it worked because he took them into his secret stash. You know, he, of course, he's one of those people that has a secret passageway to a secret dungeon. And in this dungeon, he has Edward Kelly. And Edward Kelly has the book. And it's clear from, we see Edward Kelly earlier in the episode, and it's clear that something is messing with his mind. Like he doesn't seem to be in his right mind. And as we see him in the dungeon with the book, he's even more frazzled. Like it's obvious the close proximity to the book is doing something to him. And then he makes mention that the book is screaming at him. It's screaming in his head. When Diana gets this book and she's able to open it, oh my. Okay, so. One of the best supernatural pop-up books ever. Man, so so the scene with the Rowan tree a couple of episodes ago was beautiful. This book scene, oh my God. It was incredible. But just to see her wield her power and like she opens the book and you see the um i think it was the alchemical child and you see Mm -hmm. some other Mm -hmm. illustrations from the book literally come to life and gallo glass is looking and matthew is looking and king rudolph is looking and edward kelly is looking and they're all just like whoa but then of course you knew it was going to happen king rudolph is like oh i don't need edward kelly anymore i found something more valuable she's staying with me Nope. <laughs> it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen, sir. No, no, no. I but, wish the listeners could see my face right now. Like, dude, have you not learned anything? Not, what is it you like to say? He was not reading the room. He was no. not reading was not the room. Reading. No, no. <laughs> like, you have a powerful witch in front of you opening and reading a book that nobody else that you know has been able to do and you really want to sit here and say you're going to keep her and then you actually try to sit you try to get your men to subdue two vampires and a witch what the mm-hmm. Wrong with mm-hmm. you? like it's called being a despot i just uh, it, it, 
I, you know what was so amazing about that scene? It wasn't the fact that he literally went there because he went there. <laughs> I love the back stuff. The stuff that while they were trying to fight their way out, you had Edward grab the book with the Diana and he grabs and he shreds. What does he shred? The three pages mm-hmm. that are missing. And I yep. love that. Oh my God, that was so awesome. He took those yeah. three pages. He was trying to keep the book, and Diana, Diana got the book from him. They got the hell out of there. But wait, 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 back up. Edward had the book, and she's like, "That's my book." And she, <laughs> she started making yeah. all the witch win, and she's gonna get that book from him. Yeah, I keep telling y'all they're gonna stop messing with Diana, and I don't think that Diana, in her haste realize that he has those pages. I don't think she did. I don't think she did either. Yeah, yeah. But, but I, we clearly what, saw him rip them out. Oh, yeah. And he kept them, too. So, which which, if you watch the trailer for next week, you saw, you see what's going to happen with that. But I just thought it was so amazing because he starts out in the earlier scene saying it ends with the Discovery Witches. And then he goes and he's got this book. And then you have Benjamin show up later. But the fact is that Edwin, for all good purposes, his theories and ideas were not wrong about the whole thing. But right. at the same time, Diana, and, and like you said, with him, the emperor, you know, with the two, I mean, first of all, you got a witch, you got two vampires. Do you really think that you're going to hold them? No. But at the same time, I was like, okay, maybe he's just enough of a despot that he thinks that his royal command is going to save them. Because a lot of times when you're that royal, you think that anything knows. Yeah, you're not untouchable, just like the Empress of China. When she remember the, the, the rumor that she used to just literally, uh, the dowager, she used to sit anywhere expecting a chair to be put underneath her when she sat down. So, you know. Man. I mean, but, you know, I mean. Must be nice. But yeah, it's like, but that 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 whole scene is like, I got to give props to whoever's doing the special effects for this show because with the tree before, with her opening the book now, like those effects are like mine. Or for our TV show, it's kind yes. of damn good. It really did look yeah, like that book was open in front of her. Like, like it was, it was, it was really, uh yeah, pretty, pretty well done. I was impressed. And then when they when they finally got out and. Matthew had a chance to look at it. He he saw that the book was made with the skin of like of demons, vampires, and, and yes. witches, and then bound with their hair and stuff like that. He's hair. like, this is the book of death. And Diane was like, Yeah, so it's mine. Let's go. <laughs> and he was disgusted by it he was, too. He was seriously he disgusted. Was, I would have yes, been disgusted. She, I, well, I wouldn't either, but any she normal was, person would have been disgusted. But this but the stuff it had. She, but Diana doesn't care about what it was made of. She cares about what who wrote what inside right. of it. She can right. give a fuck right. about it. Right. Like, is it, it but, but, doesn't care yeah. if it's written in blood. She just wants to write what's written. She doesn't care what it was written in. She can really give a fuck. And I, you know what? I, I wouldn't even go as I wouldn't go so far as to say that she doesn't care. I think at that point, she was in flight mode. Right. And I think she was just trying to get them all out of there safely because again, they still had Francoise and Pierre and Jack waiting for them. 
So I think, and, and of course, King Rudolph's men was coming after them. So I think it, in her mind, she was probably like, okay, we can talk about this later. Let's get the hell out of here. I really think that's kind of where her mind was because you're thinking about survival at this point. You already right. know that this man is trying to keep you captive. You don't know what kind of harm he may have planned for Matthew and Gallo Glass, but you have to think it's going to be some kind of lethal force. Bad. Because yeah, that's this the guy has the hand of a him. witch, a demon's brain. What did he have in his private collection? Yeah. He had a it's witch's hand. hand. He, he had the brain, brain of a demon. He had a necklace made of and some he had a necklace made vampire, vampire teeth. teeth. Yeah. Right. So no, that that's and not he, a good and place for the other creature bits. Right. He said, it, "What does he have a Newton Taylor frog or dog or whatever the hell it is?" <laughs> I I wouldn't doubt it. I mean, look at his collection. He had a lot of stuff. So I want to say something about the collection. Okay, he is he is he. I think this is kind of like the emperor. His collection is kind of a interpolation of the emperor's new clothes because. Mm-hmm. All that stuff that he had, I'm like, okay, he had a lot of people coming up saying, like, here, oh, here's a cup. It's made out of a unicorn's horn. Really? I'll take it. And it's like, I think I think he has a lot of stuff like that where someone comes up and is like, yeah, yeah, this 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 table, the legs on that table were made from a sat from satter legs. We had we had to kill we had to kill four of them to get a matching set. I'll take it. It's perfect. I mean, he he seems he seems like he he's been he's like he's been taken a lot by people, and it's like it doesn't seem like he's gotten any smarter for it because the all this all the time he's looking for the philosopher's stone, he hasn't had he's had people come by and not do it, and he just doesn't know he he has no idea how to get the right person for the job for this thing. And Diana was awesome. She was like, "Really? How did you get that? That's great." How incredible. But I mean, if you think about it, if if you live in a world where vampires and demons and witches exist, why not unicorns? Why not dragons? They may be extinct. I mean, think about it. We live in a world where dinosaurs once roamed the earth. It it seems impossible now, but we know that that we know that there's proof of that. Who's to say that you at some point well see just in their world? See, I agree. I agree with Hanukkah because I took it sort of like, okay, there's a 50-50 chance that that actually could have been a unicorn. So I didn't like laugh at it, but I was like, okay, maybe, maybe not. He could have gotten taken, but it could have been real. Because I'm telling you right now, if elves pop up in this thing, I'm out. I'm just kidding. But <laughs> I'm saying, if I see Legolas, I'm gone. <laughs> if I see Legolas, I'm just that much more invested. I'm sorry. <laughs> but I mean, but even if so, him having something that was made from the horn of a unicorn, that kind of would have, if unicorns did exist, that kind of would, that's an indicator of what kind of person we're dealing with, even before Gallo Glass found, you know, if even if he wouldn't have found the the hand and the the teeth and the the brains mm-hmm. and we know that this is what this person is capable of, or at least he has some kind of sick interest in it. You know, well, I, seriously, I seriously doubt if he got all of that stuff himself, but the well, fact that he probably knows people who were able who to get yeah, that. Yeah. Well, that was, a, that was a favorite hobby 
of, of people who wanted to uh, curry favor for nobility back in that time where they would basically, uh, going all back to the Romans, where they would go to exotic places, Egypt, whatever, and, and they would bring back treasures that no one had seen, tea, chocolate, paper, ink, whatever, and they would show up at their local monarch and they would say, oh my lord, oh my lady, I've traveled X amount of miles, whatever, and I have this to present to you, it's from an exotic land, and it was him doing fealty, but at the same time, especially the Eastern European ones, I mean, they they ate that stuff up because, again, what I said earlier in the podcast, they weren't as widely regarded as, say, Queen England or whatever. But I can see people doing that because the 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 system that they had in place in 1590, especially now they were coming, they were coming out of some of the, the, the Middle Ages had been to the Enlightenment, so you still had people who were serfdoms, you still had people who were bound to the land, and you had people who were beginning to, because of the industry, move into the city. So you had people who were actually, for the first time in hundreds of years, besides the Romans, travel. You had people going to the Holy Lands. You had people going to Norway, going to Sweden. So they would bring these things back to these monarchs, because the monarchs themselves Basically, they went from point A, summer palace, winter palace, main castle. That was pretty much it. So they didn't get out and travel. They couldn't go to Spain for the weekend or whatever. So they would bring these things into them to curry favor. And they heard that if he's a mystic. I mean, let's face it. If you're in your castle for six months and then you just move like 100 miles to your summer palace and that's all you do and you don't have television because it's 1590, you might be into the occult just a little bit because you're bored. I mean, yeah. I'm just saying. I know I would be. Well, I'd be into stuff, but you know what I mean. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I would find it fascinating. I mean, I'm sitting here and this guy shows up. My Lord, I have this cup and it's made from the mythical unicorn and it's beautiful and it looks like it might be kind of legit. I would be into that. And I would send out people to find me more because, again, I don't have cable. <laughs> that's funny i know it's like i'm surprised i didn't see more like soothsayers and all kinds of right. other people around him too because right. i mean other than the rabbi who he had to decipher decipher whatever text that he had it's like you really didn't see like i'm surprised there were I mean, they should have been flocking to his to bohemia like oh you know what? I can see the future. I can help you find. I can help you find somebody to get you this stone that you're looking for. Like you can. I'm surprised because he he seems really gullible to me. Like I'm just not. You know. I just I just really don't. I really didn't see him as being too smart. Just like kind of a pompous asshole and not too bright. Yeah. I think he, he was smart. I just think he made the mistake of thinking he was smarter than everybody else. Yes, especially Diana and Matthew. Yeah. Which a lot of those rulers back then made that mistake. But of course, he doesn't know that he's dealing with two people who came from the future either. So, I mean, can you imagine what he would have done had he known Diana was a time walker and that they were from another time? Yeah, it, yeah, they probably he probably would have been been way more persuasive in trying to keep them keep them there, especially her. Yeah, I don't know. 
Okay, so where are we going next? What are we talking about next? Let's talk about the rabbi since we since we brought him up. So this rabbi, Lori, Miss History person, is he supposed to be someone like well known in history, or is this a fictional character? Like I didn't get honestly, a chance to look it up. Honestly, I didn't get to look it up, but if I had to say maybe, I don't know for sure, but mm -hmm. I did find it very interesting because usually when they have religious uh people pop up especially in bohemia it usually is someone who is um uh is jewish or you know i found it interesting because you have somebody who is there and basically he knows that he can't get the results that the kid that the emperor wants and he knows that he basically has been lying, but he makes a valid case. He goes, I have to pretend in order to survive because if I disobey or displease him, it could be very, very deadly. We also saw this, if you guys watched uh, Rome, go back to uh, the TV series Rome. We also saw this again with uh, anyone who was, who was uh, uh, a Hebrew, where they kind of were forced to perform. If they didn't, they would have been killed. Mm -hmm. So this is a trope that usually goes through historic things. But I think that for him, his thing was that wrong place, wrong time, got caught, recognized that he's not stupid. This is what I have to do. And while I'm doing this, maybe old boy in the back can get a couple horses and some bags ready and I can skip out of town. That's <laughs> what I got from him. As far as a real life character, um, I didn't look it up. It could be, it could not be. I don't know, but I agree with him. Lie, lie to the man. That's what you need to do. Huh? Gotta do what you gotta do. Oh yeah. Because let's face it, crazy. When crazy is crazy, you gotta do what you gotta do. Yeah, and plus uh, Rudolph was again being. I mean, he was just so like abrasive to him. Was like, yeah, his people and those people, like the way they talk and their language and that else, like, right, yeah. Man, like this, if someone doesn't smack this dude so, like, do something, because he well, was so, de I mean, he was hella disrespectful. Well, are we going to see him again? I mean, they're leaving. I mean, I wonder if we'll oh. see him again. Who? Um, King Rudolph? Yeah. Probably not. I don't know. We may see him. I mean, think about it. If you just had a, a quote-unquote prize like Diana just slipped through your fingers and she has the, the book, which apparently is a very important book, you think he's going to just let that slide? No, no. He, he may send people after them. Right, right. But he's not going to do it personally. Uh, gotcha. That's not the kind of person he is. Yeah. We're not going to see him again. We may see his... Yeah, Remember, we called us in Kirk's with the king. And he can't, he can't venture too far because he has, he'll have to deal with the king of France and then right. he has to deal with Elizabeth. So he can't yeah, do he, too much. And we already yeah, know right. Elizabeth is not one of his favorite people. Right. And, and Elizabeth is not going to be happy that Matthew doesn't have Edward Kelly in tow. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That yeah but you know what? His, that was his objective. That was his goal. That was what she gave him permission to go there. Mm -hmm. 
to get Edward Kelly. Yeah, but maybe it's kind of maybe it works out in their favor that uh, Benjamin came in and killed Edward afterwards. So that might work in their favor. Well, we don't. Well, and also he has the book. We, they have the book, and she thinks the book is going to help them find out what the philosopher's stone. So did he? She doesn't want him to get it. Did he kill yeah. him? I don't think. I don't. Did I not see that? I thought he said I'm also interested in the book, and then it cut scene in the show. Mm, at the or end, that's how we, that's how we found yeah. out that Benjamin was uh, had the blood rage because he came in and killed Kelly, didn't he? No, I thought he killed the guards. No, he killed the guards. He killed the guard. Then he was like, "Yes, I'm very interested in what you have to say about the pages." That's what I thought. Yeah. Okay, I'm not misremembering. Okay, yeah, he, didn't, he didn't kill him. He was just he didn't kill him yet. He wanted. He was trying to get. He was trying to get some information out of him about the book okay. and the pages that he had. Told. Okay, right. yeah. Okay, I thought I thought the, that was Edward that he killed. So okay, no, yeah, because in the preview it it shows that it says that he left three pages, one to each uh, uh, creature race, and in order yeah. to do that, he would have had to walk out alive of the prison. Yeah, you're right, you're right, you're right, because we see those pages at the end of the episode, along with Peter Knox. Prison Were those day. the pages? Yes, those were the pages. I think they ripped out. I think they weren't. I thought I thought, I thought the pages, just I notes. There were some writings like of notes. Notes? Those didn't look like what the pages look like in that oh, book. Okay. With the illustrations. Let's see. Well, oh, let me tell let, let me No, they, they were at, yeah, they were actually pages of notes, but yeah, it looks like pages of notes. So yeah, I'm not... you're right. They're notes. Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm yeah. doing it too. They're notes. They're notes. Yeah. So huh. well, did, did okay. Well, um, did we talk about the blood rage episode, or did I miss it? Matthew, Matthew. Oh, oh when, they, when they were in the room. Yeah. No, we haven't talked about it yet. We were, okay. I think we were waiting okay. for you to come back. Okay. Um. I don't know what to make of that. I mean, okay, and and this is going to sound very bad and very how very eighties nineties relationship. Back in the day when you was in college and you was with your dude and you guys went out to the club and you got to the club and he had one too many zemas. Don't judge me. And he decided he was going to get rowdy bowdy and you put your hand on the shoulder like, dude, just come on, calm down, calm down. Let's go outside. Let's get some air. Let's calm down. Let's go outside, get some air, and then we can go back in. That's what that was. Okay, so we did mention this. We did talk about this a little bit earlier because I was talking about how he's in control. He's and I in, said, he, yeah. He was not in control. <laughs> and she put him in check. Yeah, pretty much. Like I said, Zima, air, go back in club. <laughs> But we, 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 you're we did talk about because <laughs> I'm tripping that you mentioned Zima. Zima. Anyway. <laughs> Google it, Lord. youngsters, for those of you who are like, what the hell's a Zima? Google it. But <laughs> but that scene, you know, I did mention it earlier in the episode. That that scene also shows how much control. Matthew does have because he could have mm -hmm. easily gone off the deep end at that point. Mm -hmm. Even mm -hmm. even in his blood rage, mm -hmm. 
he's telling Diana, like he's trying to control it. He's telling her, you haven't seen what it makes me do. And again, the thing with the veins in his face, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. his facial expressions, and he's looking, I mean, just, he's amazing (laughs) when, when he's acting in these scenes, but just the, the balance in their relationship where she can actually bring him down from that. And I also think maybe that might have been something else that Philippe saw in Diana, that if it got to a point where he was able to lose control, where he where he would lose control, that she would be able to handle that. Right. Yeah. The the other the other side though of that that incident is um we were watching it and someone mentioned uh you know, they've had all this travel time and we haven't seen her train or she's supposed to be working on her mm-hmm. th- stuff or whatever. And she just kind of whipped that fire up. Like and it has to do with her emotions. Yeah. Yeah. She was like, yeah. oh, you are not walking away from this. I mean, think about it. But you- think about it. We, we have seen her try to make the fire before, you know, mm-hmm. just a few episodes ago. She couldn't light right. a candle. But and again, that's... Half the room her- ablaze. Mm-mm. Her trying to her trying to purposefully light the candle was not tied to her emotions, was not tied to Matthew. Right. We've learned that her magic is tied to both. I'm and just saying that, how how effortless and focused it was. Yes, because she was pissed. She was like, Oh, you're not about to walk away from me. Excuse me. You need she to said, we, She said, We are not done. <laughs> Well, really, yeah. and, it, and, it, and it was it was entirely reactionary. It's just like we've been saying. It's like her her magic only responds reaction in reaction to a stimulus. So, mm-hmm. like, yeah, I mean, and it comes out when she needs it, just like it did with the book later on in the episode. Like when it comes to her emotions, and of course, at that point, her emotions were high. She was trying to she was trying to help her husband. She was trying to keep him from walking out. Because think about it. Matthew was controlled to a certain point in that room with her. What would have happened if he had walked out and he was still experiencing that blood rage? Rudolph would have gotten rid of Rudolph. Damn it, you should, she should have just let him go. But, but no. <laughs> International incident. Damn. Yeah. <laughs> you don't, you don't want an international incident, especially when you're going to eventually go back to the future and your past self is going to have to deal with the repercussions of that. Oh, World War One would have still happened. It just maybe would have happened a few years earlier. It wouldn't have changed it that much. Mm. I'm, I'm joking. But no, I, I, I think that anything that they are doing right now in Bohemia, the butterfly effect, I think is out of time because if we talked about where does the bodies go when they go back in time. I don't think it would have changed it that much because the events probably already occurred my problem is is that when they go back in the future and they have to deal with say a revised paragraph in history books uh exhibit of rudolph that doesn't have the unicorn cup they might have to say okay things will slightly change it might make sarah a little bit more uh a versus uh angry or the fact that uh lights are red gold green stop i mean it, it could be something like that. That would yeah. be weird. Yeah. Well, I'm just saying. I'd say that would be weird. 
But yeah, I mean, it, it was. I mean, it was pretty. It was kind of like a Beauty and the Beast kind of thing, and it kind of it reminded me of um, Avengers: Age of Ultron, where Black Widow all could always talk talk Hulk into becoming Bruce Banner again. It's like, hey, big fella, the sun's going down. <laughs> the sun's going down. Right. Which was the <laughs> stupidest thing I've ever saw in the movie. Yeah, it was. But I'm, I, I digress. But yeah, I mean, it really. I mean. This episode really showed like the like the amount of connection the the connect the new connection that they have like there's a lot of stuff in here that shows how the bond how they they really changed like how their their relationship is like seriously changed like as far as bonding and them being mm. with each other like yeah. it's, it's definitely like they're they're definitely a different couple now. Mm-hmm. And not only that, it, it sort of gave me a little creep Twilight, don't judge me, Hanako, Twilight vibe on that a little bit. It also gave me a little bit of a creep uh, True Blood vibe when, you know, Vampire Bill and Sookie would have their little conversations. It, it just, whenever I see a couple who are soups and one of them has a issue and the other one tries to calm the other one down and they kind of wind up with the female saying it's okay it's all right just hold my hand i get a little pissed but that's just me well i can, I can understand that i can yeah i just I, I just really think i i know i'm i'm kind i'm kind of like i'm kind of in the chaos theory i still kind of kind of wish she would have just she would just let him go and rip him to shreds real quick just, just so I could see it. I mean, they could go. She, she can, she that can would not have been a good thing. Well, she can, well, she can walk back and and stop him later. But just enjoy, enjoy watching and be like, oh, that's cool. Okay, I'll be right back. So and she can wand vision and do the little hand motion and bring it back. You know. No, what? No, all she, all she, no. All she has to do is say, no, we're not doing this, and then it'll <laughs> rewind back. It'll glitch. Well, well, okay. Well, let me let me ask you guys this. Okay. So we've got everything with them, you know, with the whole Diana, him, blood rage relationship thing. And then you've got everyone else. Okay. So two things. One, how believable is it that this scenario would actually occur in real life? And second, if it is historically done, how much of this would have happened if Gal Glass hadn't come in when he did in the after that? Because they're lounging in a chair, they're chilling, she's sitting on his lap, and he's like, oh, Aunt Uncle had a fight, oh, it's cool, they're all happy, and you see the whole doorway is blackened. I mean, I, I Gal Glass was probably at this point where he was like, was I'm like not even going to ask. I think Gallo Glass right. is like, you yeah. know what? Ignorance is bliss. <laughs> right, which is my point. Because like I said, I, I'm, I'm only nine years older than my niece. My niece would have came in and would have been like, well, I don't know what y'all was doing. Okay, let's go get some wings. I mean, literally, you know, that's the whole thing. You know, yeah. it's, it's this thing where these characters are at one point a little too modern for the time period that they're in, but at the same time, we're watching them, so we get them. So, you know, I, I, I'm curious, because there's got to be some sort of thing that they've done 
throughout the time that they're there that isn't jiving with people like Francois. Uh, Jack doesn't know because Jack's eight. But there's there's got to be certain clues that's letting people know that maybe they're not right for their period. And maybe there's something because in my mind, watching the show, Jack knows that his parents are supernatural. And he's not afraid of that. And Francois and all of them and everyone knows and Rudolph knows. So being supernatural, they're going to allow certain things and the idea of them being time walkers or maybe hasn't been said, but it might be in certain people's minds like Rudolph. Well, he called about his vampire. He knew what she was too. I mean, if you've got a unicorn cup, why wouldn't she know about time walking? Well, time walking is still, haven't they said before that time walkers were kind of rare? Ah, see, that's the thing. I'm trying to remember if it was rare in present or if it was more, because it was time spinning back then, time spinning. Mm -hmm. I I don't know. Michael, Anthony, no? No idea. I think they said they said that I mean when they found out that Steven was one, they're like, oh, because we don't see we don't see those often at all. Like it, yeah, time walkers are extremely extremely rare. That's what I was thinking. So. Okay, okay. Were they, so, were they rare? Were they are they rarer than weavers? This is about the no, probably not because I mean the fact that you only have three weavers <laughs> alive in that time, Diana. Goody Allsop and... Right, uh, yeah, I was thinking Goody. And and see, that's the thing. I like the episodes, but again, I'm going back to my thing that we talked about. I want the present time. I like 1590, but I want to know a little bit more what's going on now. I think we're getting that next episode. Uh, Yeah, yeah, but I... Promises, promises, promises. Well, okay. Promises, promises, but... Yeah, but I w- I'm, I'm talking specifically, I don't care about Emily and Sarah because I know we'll see that, but I want to see Sa too. We haven't seen her in a few episodes. I want to know what's going on with that. Yeah, yeah actually, we haven't seen her since the first episode, right? Right, right because exactly. she's seen her since the beginning when she, she walked into the woods and met the old woman and she was like, yes, come on, let's start your training. And she started to train more, get more training in being a weaver. I think that was your grandmother. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. See, this is okay. I, I love the Discovery Witches. I love everything about it. But my problem with season two is that I think that the balance that we had in season one between point A and point B storylines, we're getting a little bit too much on one and not enough on the other. And it needs to balance out because we literally have three episodes left. And I'm frustrated because you've got all this goodness and you've got dribs and drabs of what the other I need to see the balance yeah I agree um it's well again I I think we're gonna get more of the future maybe in the next episode next two episodes especially now since they have introduced Benjamin and we know that he is a you know that he has the blood rage that actually ties in with what's going on in the current day. So I'm thinking they're probably going to move on to the current day. I think things are going to start tying together. But, you know... Well, I... Yeah. I'm going to be honest, too. I'm I'm sorry. 
I, I don't know if I feel like Diana and Matthew are going back to the future in this season. I don't know. Right now, just, yeah. I just don't see that, especially because they have Jack. I just, I don't see that happening. Well, not only that, uh, my thing is, is that they introduce uh, the whole thing with Marcus and Phoebe and uh, spoiler, not spoiler, uh, that might show up more prominent later on in the series. But because of a little bit of what I looked ahead, I'm disturbed because I think that they wasted time on the story by having the whole Phoebe Marcus thing. Because I think that it was a good setup for season three, if we get that. But mm-hmm. at the same time, I think that they wasted a present day episode giving us something that we literally could have gotten next season. And I'm not spoiling anything. But I'm just saying that. What's I don't that? know because from what, just from the little bit that I know, um, apparently the Marcus Phoebe relationship is an important one. Well, that's the, that's, Okay, readers, listeners, that's season four, but we're not talking about it. Mm. Okay. Uh, yeah, because I mean, because in the in the in the teaser, you saw Phoebe getting a being approached by right, Nico, right, yeah, right. You're like, hmm, okay, there's something up here because right, they're they're, they're looking for the pages of the book and they're looking right. for right the bloodlusted vampire. So it's like Domenico's putting his his mm-hmm. powers of deduction to work and right. is getting yeah. fault and everything. Right. Plus, Gerber's putting more pressure on Baldwin mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. find the bloodlusted vampire. He's like, right. you know, do you know more than you're telling me? And Baldwin's oh. saying, like, I really don't want to talk to you. Go away. <laughs> so I'm not even going to entertain your questions. Why, why are you talking to me? <laughs> why are you even like you? You just, you, just tried, you just tried to cut me off and flay me and hang me and shit. Why am I even talking to you? Like he's probably still mad about that. If I was him, I'd be still. I'd still be mad about that. Like you could just try to get kicked out. Oh no, you tried to hang me and make an example out of me. Screw you. I ain't talking to you. Well, not not only that. The thing is, is that with with Baldwin, you ha- you kind of have to ask yourself, what is he doing? Again, this might be getting a little bit into the previews, but basically, they they come to Baldwin and they're like, well, we know about A, B, C, and D. I'm being vague. And what are you going to do about it? And Baldwin is like, uh, my brother didn't tell me any of this, and it's sort of in my face right now, and I don't know what to do about it. Which, like I said, it's very interesting. We have three episodes left. I don't, I, certain things that I've seen and certain things that I've read and certain things I've read ahead, I'm Mm -hmm. sitting there and I'm going, how in God's name are they going to do A, B, C, and D to make me as a viewer happy without spoiling what I know is going to happen in the books? It's like Game of Thrones, basically. Mm. Well... I don't know. Because now that I think about what you guys are saying about the previews, I do remember seeing uh, Marcus and Phoebe. I do remember seeing Baldwin and Peter. And just a side note, uh, I have to mention the fact that our Baldwin is not going to be our Baldwin next season. Yeah, you said something about that. Because of, uh, I guess because of 
restrictions having to deal with COVID, he was not able to film scenes. So they had to replace him with another actor. So um, I'm a little bummed about that because I because I like him as Baldwin. Baldwin is a character that I can't stand, but I like I like him as Baldwin. So he was really cool with the new haircut. That gonna miss that, I, right? Because <laughs> I like the new I like the the new Baldwin look. It's, yeah. it's cool. Yeah. But anyway, um, yeah, going back. So, yeah, we, we are going to get some more modern day scenes in the next episode. And like I said, I, I think at this point, they really do have to start tying 1590 to 2020. They have mm-hmm. to start tying it together. Yeah, Especially to. now that we, uh, I say we, like I had some part in this, especially now since we have the book. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Be I'm I'm really interested to see what she does. I think the next episode is probably going to be strictly in the future because they're going to want to set up a whole episode with Diana with the book, looking at the book, looking in it, and and like really getting into the book, mm-hmm. and maybe maybe her taking it to goody 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 Allsop and seeing if if she can help her mm-hmm. if the book. Mm-hmm. If using yeah. the book can, if she can help her gain control of her powers to control the book, so mm-hmm. that's probably going to take. That's going to take probably the final two episodes. So yeah, because yeah, because there's a whole part of the book which they literally have not got to, which they need to get to for season three, and I'm and I, I'm just I, I don't know, I don't know. I I'm 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 concerned because. There's such a thing as running out the clock, but at the same time, there's the enjoyment we have as viewers versus the enjoyment as being fans, or in my case, is being a really, really paranoid Uber fan that's like, I have to know now. (laughs) (laughs) Right. But, huh, let's see, let's see. Have we talked about everything? Did we skip anything? Um, All right, let's go back. the artist, artist, they were artists that he, he was that Gallo Glass said that to get them in to see Rudolph. Mm-hmm. That artist is Hieronymus Bosch. Oh, was that? I'm sorry, it was muffled. Hieronymus Bosch. Okay. It's like he was a, he was an artist, and he he was a um he was kind of he was kind of an occultish artist. Like he had his, most of his paintings were very dense paintings, and they had. A lot of things that you could focus on, like you have a painting of like people, then there'd be an octopus, then there'd be something with two heads down here, and it's like all over the place. Oh, he used to chill in Lovecraft. Okay. Yeah. So okay. that that that's the artist that they were talking about. Um, the Falcon's name was Sarka, and mm-hmm. she was a warrior that fought in the Maiden's War, and she destroyed an entire battalion by herself. So mm. that's who Sarka. That's who the Falcon was named after. Okay. And um, see, uh, I want to give a shout out to Gallo Glass for when, when he was sneaking looking for the book and he went down that chimney. He executed a perfect superhero landing, and I'm proud of him for that. Uh, kudos to him. And um, I think that's about all I have. Yeah, yeah, that's all. Yeah, that's it. That's all. After after my further research. <clears throat> awesome Hmm. yeah i know i i 
literally this is like Hanako said last episode was her favorite episode I think and I have three more to go I think this was my favorite episode because I like I said I peeked ahead because I was frustrated and I needed to see it I was like oh and when I realized the gravity of everything that they dropped I was like now it's a party so I was happy (laughs) yeah and yeah I mean, you you have to understand, you have to understand shows like this. And because it's such a smart show, I don't get a lot of, oh my God, this is awesome moments, but this did it. So they're getting better, but I'm looking, I'm I'm really looking forward to getting back into the present. Because I think the the present is like, they have a lot of stuff to sort out. Mm. They have Domenico. Mm. But so my question is, Lori, I just I just need to know how much is Benjamin gonna screw things up? Uh on a scale of one to ten. Okay, okay, okay. So let's just let's just say that Benjamin makes crazy town look sane. Hmm. And that's saying something because crazy town was no, I, I got excited because, like I said, I, I, the continuum that you, the companion book, Hanukkah, mm-hmm. that you have, yeah. I actually got on my Kindle and I was flipping ahead. And there, there's certain things that they have to do. But when I started getting into what Benjamin done, created, doing, plans, I'm sitting there going, Ugh. And, like, Ugh. and I was like, oh, snap, no, he didn't. I mean, I was sitting there and I'm going, oh, my God. This is brilliant because this is something that I had hoped that they would do for the series. And if they could actually pull it off physically on screen, I am going to be like buying like a blue and I never buy a Blu-rays, a Blu-ray of the complete series when it's, it's going to be that good. Oh, wow. Okay. Oh yeah. Cause they, cause if they could pull a 10th off, I mean, like I said, season two, three episodes, there is a huge thing which they might not get to, which leads into book three, which is, yeah. I mean, I, I know that I like the books. I knew that I would like listening to it when I finished book one. And when I started doing the thing, book two is going to be awesome. But book three, I need to use some of the 150 hours of vacation I have and actually take a week off to listen. Thanks. Okay. What? I've got nice. I've been home for a year. I have a lot of vacation. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, any final thoughts? None? I think I got all mine out. Oh, uh, I was in, like, Rudolph sent, sent the little automaton to Diana and I was that was actually kind of a cool little robot thing, but yeah. Again, this episode is like Matthew. Matthew's jealousy was just on full freaking display, and it was a lot of it was funny to me. I just, I, I just, I kind of laughed every time I saw his eyes get wide and he snarled. I was like, "That's funny." Like you're jealous. Because the funny thing is, Matthew was bothered by Rudolph. Diana wasn't bothered at all. She was like, "Whatever." You know, she was playing her part, yeah. but she was so not like he was so not on her radar. She's she's thinking, 
I need the book. You know where the book is. I need to talk to you to get to the book. And that was like single focus. She was like, I don't care that he's sending me gifts. I don't care that he's flirting with me. I don't care about him. He knows where the book is. Like, just. Yeah. Well, she's I... a fucking smooth talker. I'm like, she's, she could be, she could be, she, she could be a really effective con, con woman if she, if she put her mind to it. Cause she is a smooth talking some. Well, um, you kind of have to be, if you, if you're the kind of witch that can travel back in time, <laughs> she's, a, she's a shot caller basically she she's or as they call it i guess the new term is boss lady i'm not going to use the other term that they used she's a shot caller she's she's that girl like you said the other day in the, the facebook thing she's that woman but i think that matthew is going to have some problems because he's going to have to learn to accept that women these days are not like they were in 1590 yeah and I think he, I, I really do think that he's trying. I think, you know, he mentions it early in the episode. That's one of the reasons why he didn't want to mate with her because for them to be truly mated, like I, like I mentioned earlier, it brings out this kind of animalistic territorial mm -hmm. behavior. And Matthew knows that that's not what Diana is about. And I think also Matthew having been involved to the, to the point where he was, in present day i don't think that's really what he wants either i don't think he wants to be that kind of jealous in control person not to that degree like we we've talked about it before his whole his whole mindset is to protect diana not to control her he doesn't want right. to boss her around right right he just wants to protect her and sometimes that does come across kind of controlling but again you got to think about it matthew is a vampire he probably knows more danger than diana would ever learn and forget so true, you, you kind of have to look at it from that point of view that he knows about the things that are out there that she still may not know about there may be some other threats other factors out there that she isn't aware of yet his whole intent is to protect her true. now unfortunately true, with true. this with this bond, with with the consummation of their union, with this mating, it's it's probably intensified at this point. Mm. Mm -hmm. But I don't think that's I don't think that's what he wants. And given the kind of character that we know he is, and given the kind of control that we see he has, I think that he'll do his best to kind of keep that under control. Again. Philippe was the one who brought that out in him because he needed yeah, Diana to see yeah. what she was going to be dealing with. Because here's the thing, if well, it wasn't yeah, brought it, out, yeah, if, it, yeah. if it hadn't been brought out the way that it was in that kind of quote-unquote controlled environment, right. things could be right. so much worse. So... Right, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, it's just yeah. You're right. You're right because it, it, you know, you're you're absolutely right because it's it's the whole thing of you're, you're camping and the guy is determined to, to start the fire and he can't and the girl puts a hood on, grabs some wood and she starts the fire and the guy gets butt hurt because of it. Yeah, Matthew doesn't seem to me like he would be the type of guy that would be butt hurt. <laughs> you know, in well, that yeah, but he he would at least be annoyed, basically. 
know if I would even think that he would be annoyed. I mean, think about think about his relationship with Miriam and how brilliant she is and how he depends on her, you know, to even back uh, him up to, or to uh, kind of check behind him. Okay. You know, when okay, it comes okay. to their work. Okay. So. okay, two things. One, we have not seen enough of Miriam to get that sense on TV. In the books, she's a wimp. In the book, really? she's based. Yeah, in the book, she's basically she Marion in the books, Marion has two things. One, you killed my husband. Two, you killed my husband for no damn reason. And three, my husband is dead, but yet and still I'm still your lab assistant. That's basically Miriam in the books. And I'm not and, from her at all in this. Not series. at all. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, I mean, so that's why I said that because it's, yeah, he, he's basically in the books, especially when they're at the Bishop house, he's more, more annoyed with her because she actually tries to say what's on her mind. And he basically turns to her and says, Miriam, shut up. I've got this. Be quiet. Go sit in the corner. And she friggin' does it, mm. which, was love, which I did not like. But that's I, what you're I can't see I, it. She she does it, but I think I think she does it not because she's total obedience, but because she realizes that it's not her place in time to say something to him because she actually in the books, at least in book one, cares more about how he treats Marcus and what he asks Marcus to do at the end of season one and how Marcus is going to deal with that. So she's willing to set that aside, even though she is really it's been 1,200 years. She's really angry that he got her husband, who was his loyal number two, killed in Jerusalem. A lot of stuff kicked off in Jerusalem that Miriam, to this day, cannot overlook. But because it's Matthew and because it's the Knights, she's willing to let it go. But at the same time, she's like, well, because of this, I want to do this. Hmm. So that's, you know. Like I said, the, 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 the first book was really slow. It's uh, 24 hours, and it only really gets interesting the last four hours of the book, actually. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, that's slow. Hmm. Well, hopefully, that's, that's something else I do want to see with the show. I do want to learn a little bit more about Miriam's character, because I don't think we know enough about her. Yeah, they don't, they don't I know we're enough. just. I know we're just touching the surface with Marcus. So hopefully, I, I again, we're down to three episodes for season two. So I don't see that coming in season two. But maybe in season three, hopefully we'll get to learn a little bit more about Miriam. Stop shaking You're your not, hand, I Anthony. Give any answers about Miriam. I'm, I'm not paying now. you any attention. <laughs> I'm not. And on that note, we're going to end the show because I don't want to hear doubting Anthony right now. <laughs> You can find us online at www.fandomhybrid.com. We are on social media on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Fandom Hybrid. You can listen to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and other major podcast streaming platforms. Thanks for listening. We hope you join the conversation next time. <laughs>